Welcome to another episode of Football Asides. I'm your host, Chloe, and today I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Wes. Wes, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chloe. How's it going? How's quarantine? How's I don't Quar- know. I don't even know what week it is anymore. Uh, that is an excellent question. I think we're approaching the third month of quarantine. Uh, still going just as crazy. Asking myself what is going on at least fifty times a day. So any good yeah. answers? Do you have any wisdom <laughs> to share? I'm just like what is no. going on actually? Uh, since uh, I don't know, in the last couple of weeks, those reps have definitely gone up with all that's going on, but. Uh, still no answers, but I think we're close to getting there. Yeah. The other day, like we both live in DC and they've opened up somewhat. And one of the most shocking things I saw were people eating outside at a restaurant. Yeah. And I was just like, what are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> just like so yeah. weird. Yeah. It's so strange. And it was, it was even weirder. I remember marching and seeing people eating brunch and then watching a, a group of peaceful protesters walk by that juxtaposition is just too funny we're just like so we're like there are like two different walls going on simultaneously and i just for like, sure like this is why we're in a simulation for sure <laughs> <And> just <laughs> consistently think that oh for sure and i think it's going to start breaking soon in a good way yeah i feel change like, is coming that, it's like that episode of black mirror and um, I think it's Hank the DJ. And then, like, when oh, they're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when they this escape. Is where yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I feel that. Um, but no, yeah, the restaurants opening in DC has been weird. I also just, it, 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 I've never been less uncertain about what my next three days looks like. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm just, it's, I'm still just in that mode of like, I, I can't even think ahead right now. I'm still in like, the moment. Yeah, when people ask me, like, how are you doing? I'm just like, well, today in this particular hour or overall, because I don't know. What does that mean? What does how are you doing even mean? Yeah, we're living in an absurd world today, which is actually the topic of our podcast today. And today we're talking about racism in sports and soccer specifically, but it is everywhere. And unless you've been living under a rock in the last like two weeks you all will be aware of the tragic murder of george floyd on may 25th though by Mm -hmm. the minneapolis policeman who knelt on his knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds while a man was crying out for his life on camera and this video has sparked so much outrage and people have taken to the streets it just it feels like people have had enough. And it's important yeah. to note that this is not the first of its kind. That, no, sadly. Yeah, George Floyd is indeed one in the many, in the long list that goes back hundreds of years in America or from of black people who, black men and women who have died from police brutality and police violence and amongst this most recent cases we have Breonna Taylor as well and Mm -hmm. of course these are the ones that have been videotaped you can imagine that there's much many of them that have not met the internet yeah I was uh actually on Twitter today and I saw the original police report that was filed by the Minneapolis police there was no mention of you know the kneeing on the neck there was you know they excused it as uh, George Floyd was resisting arrest. And it's, it's it's just crazy to me how important cell phone footage is in all of these circumstances and how 
even with that, there's still people pushing back. Like we all saw George Floyd get murdered on camera. We all saw Philando Castile. It's the same thing over and over. It is absolutely insane to see that because mm-hmm. you would think, you know, if this, if you had committed a crime, if this was that was you committing a crime, a jury wouldn't be like, but from this angle, this person might be doing <laughs> no. this. You know what I yeah. mean? That's yeah. like that video, all the videos that have come out and all the testimonies that have come out are always enough to convict you in a court of law. But yeah. somehow, I think like the narrative and the disconnect between like the police and the people they're supposed to protect is absolutely overwhelming. And we, a lot of the population can be seen to be making excuses for them yeah it's just it's so wild to me how there's people are coming to realize that you know a lot of people fundamentally don't trust the police like there's people that walk by officers and feel a sense of comfort and a feel a sense of protection whereas you know me and you i'm assuming you feel the same way tell me if i'm wrong you know people of color walking by police officers there's just this sudden tense tension that like creeps through my body and I, we have to fix that. And I think this moment hopefully can spark us to seeing um, all the systemic failures and flaws within policing in America. Absolutely. I think uh, what this moment has done more than anything is really open the eyes to, like you said, the population in America who are mostly white, who do not have that relationship with the police, that at times when people of color do mention that that's their relationship with the police, it sounds like it really can feel like you're getting gaslit. I'm <laughs> just yeah. like, but I did this. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, like, I have yet to meet a white person who has had the talk or who even knows what the talk, like a lot of people do, and especially mm. now, but who've had a conversation with their parents of how to in- interact with law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, I remember my dad the first time when I started driving, he taught me the whole thing of keep your hands on the wheel, um, answer only and yes, no. Uh, you know, it's 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 wild that we like the we have to be taught a different way and we have to there's just this extra burden on us and i i don't know i i am still hopeful though i i will say that um you know it seems like people are finally waking up yeah i do agree it is it took a pandemic it did did take a pandemic (laughs) is that why you think this i mean like i mentioned this is not the first of these videos we had i mean we saw tamir like being murdered on video a 12 year old boy Mm -hmm. is this why is it why do you think this one is different that's if a great question. I, I think it is different. I think uh, I think there's a, a few things going on. And again, this is mostly just my theories and my <laughs> thoughts that are going through my head. I'll try to back it up with facts when I can. But for one, over everything, this is an election year. And I think, you know, we've had one of the most volatile presidents in probably modern history, maybe of all time. And uh, he has been handling this in the worst possible way, along with other things, along with the pandemic. And I think because of that, people are starting to become hypersensitive and hyper aware of a lot of the issues um, that could potentially shift and could, um, you know, be a factor for change come November. And so I think that plays a role, the fact that it's election year. And I also think, too, um, you know, we're, we're part of a generation that, you know, Eight years ago, or whenever Trayvon Martin was, was killed, nothing happened. Nothing happened. George Truly, Zimmerman that got was away. freshman year of college yeah. for us. I definitely remember yeah. that. That was my first big protest that I attended. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then it also and, just as quickly went away. Yeah. At least in and, the part of the wall that I was living in. Oh, for sure. And we just forgot about it. And then, you know, Eric Gardner, I can't breathe. That happens. And nothing happens. And Flando Castile, nothing happens. And I, I think a lot of this, too, is something's got to give. Where our generation is, you know, more diverse, generally more tolerant, generally more progressive on these issues and more adamant about change. And I think... You're seeing that push. And speaking of sports, you notice that a lot of these younger players are the ones that are being outspoken. You know, people yeah. like Raheem Sterling in soccer and, you know, people like, you know, in Eric Reed in football or Derek Rose in basketball, um, all whom started these conversations in their sports. Yeah, definitely. I think I would agree that the hope I want to add before that one of the other compounding factor, factors, I think, is that the epidemic has laid yes. bare the inequalities in society, the fact sure. that in America, people of color, and especially black people, are twice as likely to die from yeah. the coronavirus, even accounting for class and mm -hmm. wealth and all these things. And it's just, you know, it's just, I think it's late. And also the level of unemployment, people losing their jobs. Yeah. And lastly, not having what I would call the usual distractions that change the news cycle. The mm -hmm. fact that this is what's happening and everybody being cooped up in their house is really forcing them to like reckon with what society is or what society they live in. Yeah. And every, everybody's glued to a screen. You know, we, you, you couldn't have missed this news. I, I don't, and unless you were, you know, out partying in the Ozarks of Missouri or you live under a rock. Um, you know, everybody people are David Thoreau in the woods, like out here, maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it's it, it's it. I think all of those points are, are exactly right. You know, it, the pandemic has showed, amongst other things, not even the disparity, like beyond the disparity among color lines, just a lot of these systems we have in place in this in this country are just deeply flawed, and they were exposed. Yeah, I think it's really bringing to bear, at least for the protesters in the United States and all the like solidarity protests that are going on across the world, like mm -hmm. really are calling not for the not just for these officers to be held accountable, but to yeah. deeply rethink the way we th rethink public safety and consider mm -hmm. like investing in communities and I mean, at least I'm not sure, like, if all our listeners know, but, like, the history of the police force in the United States started as mm -hmm. slave patrols. Yeah. So, like, it is an inherent, like, it's an institution that at its core was yeah. meant to be racist, literally exactly. the foundation. And it hasn't really gotten better. It's just been consistently rebranded and slightly tweaked when you look at, like, the way the laws are enforced. Like, stop yeah. and frisk in New York, absolutely, like, eight times more likely mm -hmm. black people are eight times more likely to be stopped and frisked than white people. Yeah. And by the way, our president right now uh, advocated for stop and frisk during the debates in 2016. So, yeah, uh, de Blasio <laughs> did not do a great job of <laughs> just uh, it's yeah, the whole thing is absurd. But the point is, like, this is happening to everyday Americans and People might say this is a one-off case, this, that, the other. I mean, and if you say that, I just don't know where you've been living. <laughs> just do <laughs> you're some not reading. reading. You're, you're not, not reading. Attention. Yeah. Yeah. You're not reading. But I think we also want to talk about it from the perspective of sports, as we are a sports podcast. Yes. But the key, it's not new. 
I think is what people are realizing. Just yeah. in the last one to two years, the level of like racist abuse that has happened to like athletes, uh, athletes of color in football is absolutely astonishing. You have like Koulibaly, you have like mm-hmm. Iñaki Williams, you have, I mean, Lukaku, which is even like a more unique case wherein he was abused, racially abused by the opposing fans. And then the ultras, the inter ultras wrote him a letter that I wish, let me pull up this code because the, so the Italy's, the ultras, they are called the Kuvanor. And they said this, and I quote, we're really sorry you thought that what happened in Cagliari was racist. We understand that Italy is not like many other North European uh, countries where racism is a real problem. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> These are people who theoretically are supposed to be on your part. And this yeah. is, it's crazy. And you have, I mean, like Moise Ken, who was described oh that's truly crazy who was described as having provoked the racial abuse to him by his teammate and he read later obviously said that he was misinterpreted but like i think that just shows you to the level who within which like implicit biases and racism is just in our society off the on and off the pitch yeah so the moise kane he was accused of provoking people to being racist towards him. So the the way that Moisey can um, uh, unfurled, like the situation unfurled, is like they this was a game. He scored a goal, and then after like he had been berated and racially abused like throughout the entire game, and then he went to celebrate. Uh, like he celebrated in the corner at the opposition's fan to which they started like making man- monkey chats and like racist oh comments gosh. at him again i want to remind you that he is a sick like an 18 he was 18 yeah. or 19 he's like my brother's age you know <laughs> he could not he could that be age should age. be a factor yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that is wild Oh and my then, gosh. yeah, and it's crazy because, like, his teammate, who, again, you'd think should have his back, uh, Bonucci, mm-hmm. he said it is 50 50, like, that the blame was 50 50. Oh my gosh. Get that out of my face. A lot of those defenses feel like the same way that people defend, and I know this is a touchy subject, but, like, sexual assault, like, she was asking for it, you know, exactly. the way they were dressed. It's, it's, uh, you no, know, it really is. That's the best parallel it, for it. It's it's just, it's insane. And, and speaking along those lines, this whole thing almost feels uh, tangential to the Me Too movement in a little way, where it's mass groups of people taking these matters into their own hands when they're clearly saying that nothing is changing um, and really forcing the hands of these institutions to change. And that's that's really true. And uh, speaking of forcing the hands of institutions, I think I would like like I think I've been impressed by how empowered a lot of athletes and people, athletes of color and their allies Mm -hmm. who are in positions where they have been able to leverage the power of their positions, the visibility, social media. I mean, in soccer um, UEFA. So we had like Jaden Sancho and Marco Tuham and others like really during the games last week um, reveal a message that was justice for George Floyd or like Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter. Mm-hmm. And we had FIFA 
basically, I mean, Jadon Sancho got a yellow, not for the message, but for taking off his shirt. But um, FIFA basically hmm. encouraged referees to use their common sense in instances like this. And mm-hmm. it is still FIFA, and this is perhaps the hardest stance they've taken <laughs> on literally anything. Yeah, corruption, not them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but not that. But again, I'm. I mean, I don't really know how well-meaning those intentions were, but at least something is being done, you know? Yeah, at, at, at least their hands are being forced, you know? And you have the same thing with the NFL, right? Yeah, so NFL has been interesting, and I get worked up about this issue because I think everybody should, because this is the most peaceful form of protest being alienated by people on all sides, and I just think it's it's just mind-blowing to me that... Colin Kaepernick in, I want to say 2016 or 17 season, takes a knee during the national anthem. A knee. People scream drunken nonsense during the national anthem. He takes a knee, arguably more respectful than most people there. And he gets asked about it after the game and he says, it's a, it's in response to police brutality. I am protesting the systemic oppression of black people in this country. To which he is later blackballed by the entire NFL creates an uproar and just exposes, you know, again, speaking of exposing systems, like exposes the base of the NFL, which is, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, predominantly white, predominantly not very educated and predominantly kind of not predominantly, but, you know, a good amount of that base is pretty racially insensitive. And I think, you know, it, it's, 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 it's at a point now that because, you know, of this whole George Floyd and because of this whole, awakening that's you know happened uh that the nfl is finally coming around to it but i i am still very frustrated with you know the nfl as an organization that it took this much coercion it took three years of fighting and peaceful peaceful protest and criticism for them to finally just say the words black lives matter and they still haven't you know directly you know addressed colin kaepernick in a fair way uh, drew Brees famously uh recently um <laughs> during an interview this is again like that what's scary is he his thinking is how a lot of nfl fans and front offices feel they just feel that there's this disrespect to the flag when you take a knee during the anthem and you're acting like these black players don't have fathers and grandfathers who fought in the same wars yeah, and like i have a lot of people in my family who are yeah. military and i just can't think of anything more yeah. respectful it, than taking a knee to protest yeah. and also the point of a lot of like <laughs> veterans fighting is so you can have a right to yes. do something like that exactly exactly like, and and for for drew Brees to come out with a comment like that i think honestly struck a nerve and i think that might might have been the deciding moment that his (laughs) he apologized like three times his third apology might have been the time where the nfl was finally like okay we got to recognize this issue and he ended up taking it to trump even because trump of course tweeted about it saying you got to stand during the national anthem show some respect Um, yeah i think it is very much important i think the flag argument as i like to call it is often (laughs) enough used to like it's a fog that prevents us from having the conversation of why are these people protesting? Yeah. And uh, I mean, fundamentally, the flag means different things to different people. Yeah. If you're a man like Drew Brees, and if you there's a chance that when you look at the flag, you see a country that has generally all things like accounted for, looked at you favorably, you know, valued mm-hmm. your life, valued your contribution. 
But mm-hmm. if you're a person of color in this country, the flag means drastically different things. Like mm-hmm. people have families whose where that flag was flying during before the Civil War. You know, like yeah. it means different things to different people, and everybody's entitled to protest however the however they want. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like Glow, if if me and you, two black people, if we drove to rural Virginia right now. And we saw a big American flag outside of a gas station. I would be a little nervous. Like it wouldn't be a sign of comfort for me. I agree. Of- <laughs> it's very actually like it the is. very very like aggressive flags. Like when you're yeah. driving down, I they don't inspire a sense of comfort to me. Even though yeah. like I have nothing against the flag, I just don't have the same relationship to it that a fair amount of Americans do, and I respect their relationship to it and i yeah. think it's reasonable to expect also the captain thing i want to note that he was like the first time he was sitting but it was actually for an advice from a green beret who told him that it would be more respectful to kneel as a form of protest so it came from a veteran <laughs> <laughs> which yeah it's it's just again like i it, it's people just not wanting to have the conversation and not wanting to think about why he's doing it. They just have their own personal ideas that they're projecting onto why he's doing it. And for three years, the NFL and its fans, uh, a lot of its fans and owners were projecting onto it, you know, that this is wrong. This is my understanding of the flag rather than trying to, you know, bridge that divide and figure out why he feels the need to do that in the first place. Exactly. It's like, why is it that this flag that's supposed to like represent whole prosperity, opportunity, that people feel stifled under, feel like it doesn't represent them? I think that's a conversation we should be having. And to your mm-hmm. point, I think one of the reasons this feels a little bit different is, I mean, the NFL's hand was eff- essentially forced by <laughs> the video by like all of its athletes. Who I want to mention, the NFL is, I, I believe, more than 70% black. Yes. Is it significantly? Yeah. Yeah. But there is currently two black coaches in the NFL. So go figure. I I mean, that's the same thing in football, like in soccer, whatever you want to call it as well. I just, I can, I'm not, literally cannot think off the top of my head. That's the last time I saw a Premier League coach that was black. And it's like, I think when people say that the system is broken, this is one of the things they're referring to. <laughs> that it's <laughs> yeah. it is absolutely unbelievable that in a league like the NFL, where like half of the talent is more than half of the talent is black, there's absolutely so few people in positions of power, and that's when mm-hmm. like statements that are absolutely absurd come through because there's no yeah. one, you know, who can speak to it in that boardroom. <laughs> There are no seats yeah. at the table. Yeah. The uh, the owner of the Houston Texans, when this uh, this kneeling was happening in protest, uh, he had a quote where he said he was super disappointed by the kneeling. And he said, we cannot have the inmates running the asylum, which yeah. is a crazy quote to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, he also misquoted it. It's, it's, it's you can't have the patients running the asylum. And I feel yeah. like that distinguishment of comparing NFL players to inmates it, it, it speaks volumes to the way that a lot of these owners think about their athletes you know they're just property they they you know they do the work uh, they do a lot of physical labor for nine years and then they leave and they're cut free and they're free 
to go live their life while you just reaped a ton of profit off of their off their backs it's you know now i'm getting into an argument about capitalism but (laughs) yeah i think we might today we'll have to have you back for the capitalism conversation yes yeah the revolution in all of that that's part two of this (laughs) <laughs> yeah, do you know what that makes me think of? Like, as a while back, I think like 2011 or something, is the Hank Willis Thomas, the cotton ball. Like, that cut is what it vividly makes me yeah. think of. Like, that's yeah. for a lot it's... of people of color in America, that's what it looks like. And especially in sports, where you, I mean, it's just like you're a body mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're supposed to. Do you remember the, I forget who the journalist that, uh, told LeBron to shut up and dribble. Shut up and dribble. Laura Ingraham. I cannot believe she still has a job. <laughs> she, yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a great video on Twitter that somebody spliced together. It was her talking about LeBron James and Kevin Durant speaking out. And then it was her talking about Jabris freaking out. Um, her response to LeBron James and Kevin Durant was, quote unquote, shut up and dribble. Um, when they were speaking about their political beliefs and being critical of Trump. And then when Drew Brees... Uh, came out and spoke uh, how the knee, taking a knee during the national anthem is disrespecting the flag. She came to his defense and said, "He's allowed to have an opinion. Why shouldn't he be able to speak up?" So yeah, again. that's brilliant. <laughs> like truly, like I think, oh, that's. I mean, the media, like the media, is of course a huge problem of it. And again, yeah. I don't mean to say that all of the media is, but like the media is and. In soccer specifically, I would say a lot of like the footballing media is absolutely like the racist undertones are absolutely baffling to me. Yeah. I mean, I, as a person of color, I'm like obviously more attuned to it and I'm always mm-hmm. looking out for it. But like, so I have like a couple of examples that like I've absolutely, you don't need to be black to notice that there's something absolutely problematic about this. I mean, mm-hmm. so. Back to our favorite, Lukaku. <laughs> it's an Italian newspaper who said that the way to stop him was to feed him bananas. And I'm oh just like, gosh. great. Um, and like, they, le- that, they printed that? Yeah. But <sighs> you know what? It's better. There was, a, um, so there was in the promotion of a game, uh, Corea del Sport used Black Friday. I think it was Lukaku against uh, Valencia. No, it wasn't Antonio Valencia. I forget. I really will come back to me. But, and they used Black Friday as the promo for the game. And one of the more fu- more fucked up things is when Serie effort to stand against racism, they commissioned paintings of monkeys as part Jesus. of the anti-discrimination campaign with what the fuck? <laughs> literally, you're like, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> it's just literally like, absolutely buffling. When, when you see, like, when we talk about systemic racism, like, that is a newspaper. That is one person writing that. That is an editor on top of them saying, yeah, let's go with that. And then that's another editor saying, you know what? Let's do it. Let's send it. Let's put it on the front page of our headline. I, uh, I, I just can't believe that that it's it, this was like I'm assuming like recently too right yeah no this was a pretty recent and I was just I mean the campaign went down because there's an uproar about it but the fact that it made it that far like you said that the, there was a series of review about it and like 
racism isn't always like overt people like chant making monkey chants at you or just like racially yeah. insensitive sayings at you it's in the way black people and people of color are described like uh i would want to point to like Raheem Sterling, I would say, has been like by far like on the receiving end of it more than most people. And in 2018, yeah. he like showed how the Daily Mail had described the tone you used to they used to describe a black player buying a mother for a house as an act of frivolous spending. Is like we can't believe it. Like he hasn't even started yet, and he spent this much money. But then, comparably, when he was a white mm. player, it was a quite flattering. Or just like lovely player buys a house for his mother. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? It's just yeah. like the and outside of sports, like the coverage of John Boyega's speech versus yeah. Seth Rogen's like shutting down people on his Instagram, <laughs> very drastically mm. different. So different. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it it never ceases to blow my mind, and I, I get I, that's why I, again that's why I'm starting to become more hopeful. Is you know things are getting caught on camera, and we're paying attention to when people flip flop as blatantly as Laura Ingraham. And I hope I don't I'm not as uh, privy to the situation. Uh, I've seen videos of the protests uh, in Europe, uh, and I'm assuming you know soccer players have been involved. I think Raheem Sterling's spoken out about it a couple times, um, but have 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 you been inspired from what you've been seeing in terms of the the soccer players or the <laughs> keeps on saying soccer football players abroad i think you can say soccer it's technically association cool. soccer so soccer is the, by far also an app term and no one really cares <laughs> i think i ha i wouldn't say i'm hopeful that a lot of the people who are speaking out are indeed young that it seems that there's a large cohort of young players that um are indeed speaking out and I would say like even from a team perspective from the games that I've been watching in the Bundesliga which is the only team that's the only <laughs> league that's okay not the only league but like the only top tier league that's has matches yeah. yeah um there's a lot of teams that have taken a knee and there's ambans and stuff like that and I think while those are symbolic gestures and they can also if that's all that happens it is indeed performative activism i still think it's a lot a little progress in contrast mm -hmm. to when louis suarez called patrice evra the n-word and the entire team after he received Jeez. his i think eight match ban the entire team came out with t-shirts in support of him of louis suarez yeah <laughs> so i think at least we're progressing in some <laughs> way <laughs> oh my at least gosh. we're not wearing t-shirts yeah. to support people who actually abuse others yeah so there is a little bit progress to be made there that makes me a little bit hopeful but i think a lot of it will have to be where is the follow-through you know yeah what it what is the change that we can see what is the action you know um and i think we're waiting for that now you know both in terms of politics and both in terms of the nfl like in, sorry, in all of sports, but speaking of the NFL, are they going to are they going to let Colin Kaepernick into the league? Are they going to let their players kneel? Are they going to kick out people who chant racist things? Um, exactly. Kind of a kind of an aside. The uh, do, are you familiar with uh, the malice at the palace, which was uh, what happened in the NBA in like the early two thousands? Uh, I is this the player lockout? The NBA lockout. Uh, no, so okay. this was during Educate a game. <laughs> I got you. Uh, I'd encourage all the listeners to to Google it, but uh, 
what happened was the Pistons were playing the Indiana, Indiana Pacers uh, in Detroit, and a fan threw a water bottle at Ron Artest and started talking shit to him. And this has happened throughout sports and up until then, and there's never been, like, a major reckoning moment. Um, but fan throws water bottle, Ron Artest. Ron Artest is a very large professional athlete, and naturally he gets upset, and he goes into the crowd and beats the shit out of the guy that threw the water bottle, and then other fans start piling in on him. And the next thing you know, it is benches-clearing brawl between fans and players all over the place. There's no security to be seen. And it's just everywhere you look, some NBA player is just beating up some fan that has been talking trash to them the whole game. And obviously there was major suspensions after that, ton of drama. But part of me just wants to bring that back. Part of me just wants to have, if you are a racist, I want you, I want the biggest player on the field to just kick your ass. <laughs> I think they should be allowed to do that. Um, and I, I, this, 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 it's so strange to me how these people can go to a game and just feel like they're entitled to, like, it's, it's an excuse to just be a racist asshole when it, there's never an excuse to do that. I think, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're an actor playing some character in Django. <laughs> yeah, I am definitely more of a pacifist that, than you are, but I do, <laughs> also, I do think that, um, something has to be done about fan abuse. I think there's a very yeah. fine line of like talking shit to like opposing team and trying to get into their head but then there's mm -hmm. also a line that is crossed when it becomes like racial and yes. it becomes like very much about the not it becomes nothing about the way they're performing their job mm -hmm. it's not because i don't know they're not completing any passes they're missing anything you're purely doing it because of what they look like because of the skin of their color and I think something needs to be done about it. And I mean, I'm not sure how well this can be implemented, but what I've been thinking about is we do often forget that professional athletes are like, that's their job. Yeah. That's like their version of the, their nine to five. And if I can't come into your job, if you're in a role of customer service and yell like hurl like racial insults at you without getting in trouble i don't understand why like the football field should be treated differently totally agree yeah so i was thinking you know like what if like one of like again i'm always brainstorming on how to make mm. this better but each time you buy a ticket you shouldn't sign a contract you know you should it should be part of your ticket is a contract that if you're quote violating this like moral code this like you're abusing like players on basis of this that and the other you should like immediately like that breach of contract mean you can't come to that stadium ever again yeah i think you've I broken that. the contract and i think because people are like oh we can't find them we can do this there's so many cameras like the cameraman who find the one person that's yawning in the crowd pretty sure they can find <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm pretty sure anybody could uh, anybody know, if, could if you're a fan like a, and you see that yeah you yeah just the be feed like, hey. like if you just look yeah. at the feed you would know and then yeah. like i think a lot of people are like oh it's gonna make it through enforcement no you if you make it contract based once you break the contract they are consequences and every single time i think every single time you go to a game it should be a renewed contract between you and the players and like from a soccer perspective, I always think that perhaps 
I mean, we all know that like institutions care about money. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's about the bottom line more than anything. Yeah, and, it's a product. Yeah, and if you make it so that one of the consequences is clubs getting points deducted and points mean money, I think there will be a lot more Ooh, efficiency, a lot I more like efficiency, a lot more efficiency if, in people finding like abuses if, like that. If you yeah. knew that if, if it happens if at you your don't stadium, prevent, exactly, and also if you are a fan, you know. And you do that and you are aware that you doing that and getting caught means your team could get relegated and thus like miss out on a hundred million dollars. I bet you, you will think twice about it. Uh, yes, for sure. All of those soccer hooligans would definitely think twice about it. Um, I love that policy. I, I a hundred percent think they're, uh, at the end of the day, it just comes down a lot to accountability, you know, and taking ownership of, the worst part of whatever organization you're part of you know for the nfl they should have addressed their base that was wildly upset about a simple gesture of taking a knee um instead they just kind of didn't talk about it and condemned it even so it really is that conversations like institutions mm -hmm. need to have conversations with the people they're around people need to have conversations a with themselves b with their families like you know, just like pretending it doesn't exist <laughs> isn't really doing much for anyone. And I've just, that's what's also been encouraging about this entire situation. I have people who are content to just be non racist, actually examining how to be part of the solution, how to be anti racist, yeah. how to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been really encouraging to see the people that want to read more and want to learn more about you know, what it, what their role is in the, in solving this bigger issue and this elephant that's been in the room for, you know, hundreds of years. Yeah. But just, uh, I've had more conversations about white privilege than I've ever had in oh, yeah. my entire life. Uh, and I couldn't be drained. more grateful. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I said, I'm getting drained. Ready to say. No, I mean, it's I definitely emotionally, emotionally draining. I would say, I yeah. feel like I need a shot every single after every <laughs> one of them. I'm just like bring in my two o'clock and just, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's like people you never would have thought reaching out and being like, Hey, I want to check in on you. Um, and I want to make sure that I can help. So it's, 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 it's really awesome. Yeah, I guess how that. have you been, I think, explaining, because one of the m- arguments or like one of the things people toss about when you talk about like privilege and especially white privilege is there are poor people who are white as well. There are like people mm-hmm. who are suffering who are white as well. I guess how have you been navigating that if it's come up or if it ever does come up? So that's, that's always interesting. And, and to me, I think, you know, for some people, race is just such a tough, touchy topic. And it, it is hard to explain white privilege to someone who, uh, you know, is white, but doesn't come from a whole lot, you know, and you're trying to explain to them that they're somehow privileged. But, you know, I, the way I've been approaching it, and a lot of this is just based on, you know, conversations and tweets or things I've seen on social media, um, you know, is, is just trying to engage with more empathy and, you know, not talk down to these people to people that are you know asking these questions and trying to figure out and just being as genuine as possible when you're answering it and i think the problem is is when people 
approach these conversations with the most radical idea um, and without really explaining it and just expecting people to be on board. Um, because when you say something like defund the police, people are going to be off put by that. Um, and so I think it's just all in terms of how you engage that conversation in a way where you are truly trying to educate that person and you're not engaging it with anger or bitterness towards them for asking a question. Yeah. That, I was, that was kind of a lot. That was theoretical, but yeah. Yeah. That's a definitely, I think that's very valuable. I think that's a good guiding principle in like, I mean, you probably should have this principle in most of your conversation, but in yeah. especially this one, I think yeah. I, the internet, like obviously has a ton of awesome resources of, because I think it's very hard, especially for people of color to try and explain something they intrinsically just feel and, and have like, experience their entire mm -hmm. life and put it into words and because i'm just because to me and to a lot of black people it's like pretty obvious but like <laughs> when you, like, yeah i saw this yeah. awesome like video that i like truly could explain privilege to like a child and i was like this is what we need <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I mean, the premise was right. Like the coach was like, okay, I have a hundred dollars. I'm going to stand on this line and we're going to race towards this hundred dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. And then had like all the students in a line. And she said, but before we do that, I'm going to make a statement. And if this statement applies to you, please take two steps forward. And it was just like, take two steps forward. If you've never had to worry about your cell phone take two steps forward if you grew up in a house with two parents take two steps forward if you've never had an encounter with the police if you've never had the talk and all these things and then at the end of it he's like this is where the race starts and like the mm -hmm. fact that you're here like really has nothing to do with what you have done but a lot of the a lot of the reasons where you're starting where you are are predominantly afforded to you because the system has valued the color of your skin more. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, so I thought it was like really important to say like when people say privilege, they all that they want equity, they mean people of color and people because of the history of the United States that we're, they're just starting at completely different places. You know, mm -hmm. there's like a 450 year advantage Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're just saying that and it's very hard <laughs> when you have like a 450 year advantage to like build society and build community to ask the other half to be like but you can meet us here right <laughs> that's so true yeah um that video is awesome too by the way i i saw that the other day it's um it's very powerful and a great explanation of you know how privilege works yeah i, th I thought it was like quite awesome uh generally mm -hmm. But again, I think we're both hopeful, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think hopeful is 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 where I'm at right now. Uh, cautiously hopeful. <laughs> Today, how, yeah. In thirty minutes, no one knows. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling, you know, in November. But even again, it, I I hate. I don't want to put this all like Joe Biden is not going to save us from this. It this is a thing that you know is in a great way engaging people in local politics and realizing that. These problems are solved on a much granular level, and you know we you being involved in your community to try and fix these issues is super important um, and part of this uh, responsibility we have. You know, like uh, just voting for president isn't all that's going to fix this. You know, it's it's seeking out the right people. You know, 
for example, like Minneapolis is, is has you know one of the is the spark of this police force and has tons of corruptions inside of it. It's an entirely democratically run city. It's these police unions just gaining so much power over um, a population and just you know running amok. So yeah, anyways, that's my that's my TED talk on. <laughs> just like <laughs> I'm voting. Yeah, kind of talk talk. Yeah, this has been good. Like. Uh, I suppose the last of the bits I would like to wrap up with is to bring it back to sports and what if, I don't know, if I give you a carte blanche or like, what would you like to see in the future in the world of sports to address the chasm <laughs> that is the racial inequality and racial abuse? Wow. This is an yeah, excellent by, the, by that I mean, do you want to fix racism? Fix racism. racism. <laughs> yeah. This should be titled, Glow and West Fix Racism in Sports. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is an excellent question. Uh, so I, I think the, the solution is that we need more representation, which is the answer to most things. And kind of like what we were talking about, there's only two black coaches in the NFL. We don't see any black coaches in the Premier League, and we don't see any of them in the front offices, I would guess, either. Um, and, They're no black you know, owners. Yeah, and, and I feel like when, when that relationship is built on a system where black bodies are just the product and not the ones that are like behind the scenes and in those front office roles, it, is, it's, it creates a, you know, a, a pretty dangerous relationship. And... I think to dismantle that starts with addressing the inequality that exists in a lot of places that are not on the field that still revolve around the world of sports. Yeah, I think representation is, I agree, it is so key. And I always ask people who are like, but this, but that, but people who can get each other. And like the one of the reasons that is so formative, especially for young kids, like the reason they want to be anything is they saw someone do it and they're like, oh, shoot, I would love to do that, you know? And yeah. if you grow up in a world where anything you'd want to do, there's no one who looks like you who is doing it. It makes it incredibly hard to visualize yourself doing something like that. Exactly, exactly. That's, um, I, I joke, uh, you know, because growing up, I was like, I grew up in a very white suburb um, and um half black dad's black mom's white um I, my latest in the last like five years um there's been you know a ton of mixed athletes that have been um in the spotlight so i like to joke that i am familiar with it. every <laughs> mixed athlete uh because that representation is important man if you don't see people like you growing up uh, you, you don't know where you really fit in and to see you know people that look like you um have success um and you know live like normal lives and live up to these you know grand expectations is is reassuring and i and i think little kids in this next generation has to see that yeah i think the last thing i've already mentioned what i would like which is clubs to hold their fan base responsible in addition to like really yeah. creating a more diverse work environment it's um you know like no one just inclu inclusion and creating diverse spaces dramatically reduces racism because it's very hard once you've 
seen and engaged with people as human beings to yeah. then go on and see them as threats. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people who live in insular communities really run the risk of like just taking the narrative they're fed, you know? Yeah, 100%. And, and, and that is dangerous. I guess and on an individual level, I just want everybody to learn more because I truly believe the greatest privilege, like one of the greatest privileges of allies is they get to learn and not experience racism. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's a, that sounds like a pretty decent trade off to me. So educate yourself and your family pull up with, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you get, you get to read like interesting stuff. Like the 13th is a wonderful movie and you get to learn at the same time. Uh, And I, you know, it's, that is a great example of the privilege you get, you know, as opposed to, you know, getting called racial slurs on a playground growing up. Exactly. Just like you get to learn about this, like, and you need to opt out of like the privilege. I encourage people to opt out of the privilege of not having the, not having to confront the tough conversations because millions and millions of people live it every day Mm -hmm. and it should be uncomfortable, but like it has to be for all of us to be part of the solution, you know? For sure. Yeah. That's the only way we're going to see change. And with that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with some football asides chat. Welcome back to Sidelines Asides. This is a segment on the show where we do discuss some more lighthearted conversations <laughs> and debrief and general nonsense. And after what the last half hour also is definitely much needed. <laughs> <laughs> so for today, uh, Wes and I will be sharing our favorite memes of quarantine so far. And yeah, Wes, do you want to start us off? Describe this meme to me. Sure. Um, so kind of related to what we were talking about earlier, if you haven't been following, uh, Ben and Jerry's has been very actively supporting the protests. Uh, the founders were actually arrested in New York City for protesting. And uh, they've been super outspoken on social issues, particularly um, issues surrounding race. Uh, on 420, they had a post that was um, talking about mass incarceration because of uh, the criminalization of marijuana and how it's been affecting black communities. But anyways, back to the fun meme, there is a meme. uh, It starts off. uh, It's one of those ones where it's like uh, a a conversation or or you know what I mean. Um, But like a dial, like a script, like a script. Exactly. Um, So it's like other companies. We stand in solidarity with our black employees. Ben and Jerry's and then it's a picture of Travis Scott holding the microphone stand over his head screaming as there's flames behind him um which I just think is a magnificent meme yeah <laughs> that perfect is when I saw that I truly <laughs> did cackle <laughs> that is like there's I mean with all the like different responses from like companies about like the ongoing events it's been like a spectrum from yeah like just like the lukewarm or lukewarm like you could really say that about potatoes to mm-hmm. ben and jerry's <laughs> ben and Jerry's <laughs> is very much the, they're on the extreme end yeah yeah i really enjoyed that and so for my meme i it is so it is a picture 
of um, a textbook that is truly all but one line or one inch of a textbook page is highlighted and the caption is history students in 2040 highlighting the important stuff in the chapter about 2020. (laughs) 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 The entire page is just highlighted. And and I just think it made me cackle because I'm just like, maybe that page, well, that chapter should just come (laughs) pre-highlighted because you keep thinking it can get crazier this year and then it goes, it does. Remember when this year started and we thought us bombing Iran was the craziest thing that was going to happen? Yeah. (laughs) It just feels like so long ago. I feel like I've aged like truly, I feel like I've lived 15 years in this year. Oh. Yeah, it's it's so every other week it's something new. Um, But we'll we'll make it through. And uh, (laughs) hopefully these memes will keep us through, too. I sent you another one. Um, It's uh, it's a it's the Pixar. You know how before the Pixar movies, there's the Mm -hmm. lamp that turns its head. Yeah, (laughs) it's this one is just a dog with a cone around its head and it looks and it's the (laughs) eye. Um, yes, I, that's yeah it's been so silver lining the internet internet is undefeated in 2020 that is true the internet like really still comes through in 2020 there's a lot of black holes in the internet and i go from like my screen time this week absurd like on sunday when you get your like apple screen time notification it had gone up by 300 <laughs> percent from the last <laughs> week and I'm usually pretty good about like my screen time. And I was just like, oh, that is not great. So the internet really, it's out here. Yeah, for sure. Well, that is it for the show. Wes, thank you so much for joining me today and thank you for raging a me. little bit, uh, raging against the machine, talking about racism in sports and generally uh trying to make this podcast a part of the ongoing conversation and we always hope to talk more than just about sports remembering that it's not just on the pitch there's also human beings and there's lives and events beyond that for sure all right uh if you'd like to follow us we're on instagram and we're on twitter at uh, football.sides And yeah, we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Stay safe, everyone. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, really do stay safe. (laughs) All right. And they do matter. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Claude. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right.